It's good to be here today, and I'm glad to be with you. I, uh, uh, Paul, did you hear? Where's Paul Becker? There he is. Did you hear? He's thankful for both of us, but especially me today. <laughs> so I just wanted to, wanted to highlight that. <laughs> happy birthday, by the way. It's Paul's birthday today, too, so happy birthday. Uh, <laughs> isn't it today? Is that right? Okay, yeah. Just any, any ways I can possibly embarrass you, I will. So uh, it, is, it is really good to be here. And um, I know that today is, is a strange day for some of you. Um, J- Jeff Hamill, our worship leader, said, well, every Sunday is strange. And to a degree, that's true. But, but uh, today is a strange day for some of us. Um, if you're new here today, we want to welcome you. We're glad you're here. Uh, we've, our pastor of the last four years, as you heard uh, his last Sunday was last Sunday, so this is our first Sunday without uh, Pastor Mike and Christine, and so that makes it a little different, and um, I know there's all kinds of emotions with that. You know, I just want to say this. I'm so grateful. When we, my wife and I, four and a half years ago resigned, um, our hope was and our prayer was that there would be somebody that God would bring who would bring uh, energy and enthusiasm and would see uh, the church through new eyes, uh, and just bring that into the body. And and Pastor Mike and Christine did a beautiful job of that over these last four years, and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for that heart. Uh, I'm so grateful that I've been able to be a part of that for these last four years, just uh, being a part of the church family. And um, so uh, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And we all are wondering and, and waiting and want to know what's next for us. You know, one of the things that the pastor does is provides a sort of a, a, a calibration, you know, so where, where are we headed? And so when, when that person's not here, it feels a little um, awkward and, and what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. And, and we want to know who that next person is who's going to help guide that. Uh, you have a great board. Uh, we are grateful for our board here and uh, uh, they're doing a good job. But thankfully... We know who our good shepherd is. We know who our shepherd is. And uh, he's the one who has always been the leader of this church. He's the one who, it's never been about a person who has been the leader of this church. It's always been about uh, the one who wants to be the delight of our lives, and that is Jesus. He is our leader. He has been our leader, and he will continue to be our leader in the days ahead. And knowing that, and if we put our confidence in that, we're going to be great going forward. We're going to be great going forward. One of the things um, we pastored, Lisa and I were here for um, as pastor for 22 years. So started in 93 and um, resigned in 2015. And one of the things we did on Father's Day, almost every Father's Day, is now, for those of you who don't know me, you're going to find out a little bit of my sick and twisted sense of humor because one of the things that I enjoyed doing every Father's Day is I love mean Father's Day cards. Uh, and, and it's those cards that sort of poke fun at dads. And now there's sort of been over the last few years sort of the movement to not make fun of men and dads quite as much. And I can appreciate that. But listen, we got to laugh because we, we, we deserve to be made fun, made fun of most of the time, frankly. And, and so um, I... It, it's funny because I went to look for some mean Father's Day cards again this year uh, to present to you, and uh, it's harder to find them now than it used to be. Uh, 
Maybe that's good, but not good for my purposes. But I did find a couple of them. But here's what I did. I found my stack of old Father's Day cards. You wouldn't believe how many mean Father's Day cards I have accumulated. And so I have a Father's Day, mean Father's Day card hall of fame. Uh, And um, I'm going to read just a few of those just to get started. Uh, Just in honor of you dads our mean Father's Day cards. So uh, here's the first one. And I actually, uh, thanks to Donald and technology, we can put them up here. Dad, growing up, we were sometimes a little difficult, a little stubborn, and acted like we knew it all. But there was good reason for that. Heredity. (laughs) Here's a new one this this year. Um, Father's Day is a nice time for a long walk in the woods. Or as some call it, golf. Happy Father's Day. (laughs) The next one, Dad, a tool in your hand is like a medical instrument in the hands of a skilled surgeon. There's bound to be some bloodshed. (laughs) Dad, (laughs) you taught me how to throw a football. And that's a big part of the reason I'll never be a professional quarterback. (laughs) And this one is my all-time favorite. This will be my last one. This is my all-time favorite. I've read this one several times here. You know, Dad, sometimes when the lake is quiet, the wind has died down, and you listen very carefully. You can actually hear the fish laughing at you. (laughs) So, dads, happy Father's Day. Those are all in honor of you. So, um, a happy Father's Day to you. Today, you know, one of the things that I realized when I became a dad is uh, that I I wanted to, uh, or I figured out that I wanted things that I didn't know I wanted when I became a dad. I wanted things I didn't didn't know I wanted. I I remember as as a young man, before I was, you know, as a teenager, and I would see people holding babies, just holding babies and looking at their babies. And I would, I would see people holding babies and looking at babies, and I would think, that just seems like a weird thing to do. And I remember somebody would try to hand me a baby, and I'd be like, I wouldn't know how to hold it, you know. I, uh, it would be awkward, and I'd want to give it back as fast as I possibly could. Then I had a baby, and all I wanted to do, I just wanted to hold that baby and look at him. I wanted something I didn't know I wanted because it was a delight of my it's a delight of my life. I um I thought when when before I had kids I thought really what I really wanted was that I wanted a little two-seater sports car but I learned that what I really wanted was a four-door Honda Civic with three car seats in the back. I didn't know I wanted that. But I learned that that's what I wanted. I I wanted I thought I wanted to play golf, but what I actually learned that I wanted was to go to seemingly endless concerts, practices, games, <laughs> meetings. You know what's funny, though, is when I think back now that my kids are, you know, old, um, I, don't care about, I don't care about the golf, but I remember the games and the concerts, and I'm so grateful for those things that seemed exhausting at the time, but I'm so grateful because they're some of the most beautiful memories because the 
delight and desires in my heart changed. Because what you delight in shapes what you desire. What you delight in shapes what you desire. I, the message this morning is not really a specifically a Father's Day message. Uh, it's a message that really, uh, there's no other better way to explain it than uh, I was half awake and half asleep at about 3.30 one morning a few weeks ago, and God just dropped this message into my heart, uh, which is not usually how this happens, but um, it is what it is, and uh, so I want to share this with you. And um, all of us want something for our life, and so what is it that you want for your life? What are the things you want for your family? What are the things you want for your kids? What are the things you want for your church? Now in this kind of period of transition, all of us have dreams, all of us have desires. We wrestle with sometimes the fact that some of those aren't fulfilled or we're still waiting on them or, or uh, uh, things happened that we weren't expecting that might happen. But the Bible tells us, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. It comes out of Psalm chapter 37 and uh, verse 4. And David, uh, King David, is the one who was writing this psalm. David was the second king of God's people, Israel. And um, he's now an old man when he's writing this psalm. It's an interesting psalm, just to sort of as an aside. It's originally written, in, of course, in Hebrew, and it was a Hebrew acrostic poem. So each stanza of this poem or of this psalm uh, is, is a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so each line kind of, that, that's how he drafted it. Uh, of course, we don't see it that way in our English version, but, but um, in this psalm, David is, is expressing a perspective now as an old man. And you, you have this sense from David that he's now seeing things from a long-term perspective instead of an immediate perspective, from a, some, from, you know, uh, from, from a perspective of life experience and going through some things. David didn't always make the right choices and the right decisions. Uh, he, he wasn't raised necessarily to be the king. He was a shepherd. He was a young shepherd when he was called and chosen to be the king. He became the king. He made some uh, bad decisions. He had some indiscretions and some terrible sin. He, he took a, he took a, you know, he, he gave in to some of his desires that were not driven by his relationship with God. And he gave in to some of those and he took a a woman that was somebody else's wife. He had her husband killed. Yet in other times, he did the honorable thing before the Lord when some were tempting him to betray the current king at a time that wasn't the right time. And he said, no, I wouldn't do that because he was going to be faithful and honorable to the one who was his king, and that was God. And so uh, you see, you see this, this uh, life experience in David, and now we come to Psalm 37. And here David is an old man, and he's reflecting back, and he's writing about this God that he has followed and he has served and he has loved. And you just have this sense in the psalm that, you know what? You can relax. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You can, you can be at peace because ultimately what he's recognized is God is in control. In fact, he says uh, in, a, in a verse in, um, 
Verse 25 of Psalm 37, I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken. He has this, this great perspective. And, and in Psalm 37, in the first verse, he, you, you see this again, this progression. He moves in verse 1 from, do not fret because of evil men or be, be envious of those who do wrong. You know, we, sometimes we can see, okay, how come they're getting the things they want and they're just, you know, they're, they're evil, but I'm not getting the things I want and I'm trying to do the right thing. And, and so David is saying, listen, don't fret, don't be envious. Like the grass, they'll soon wither. Like the green plants, they'll soon die away. And then he says, verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell on the land and enjoy safe pasture. So you see this, don't fret. Don't be envious. Trust in the Lord. It's going to be okay. And then he says in verse 4, not only should you trust in the Lord, delight in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Before I go any further, I, I just want to pray. God, thanks so much for this chance to be with our family, our church family on this Father's Day. Lord, thanks for your word. Thanks for your goodness. Lord, thank you that um, you are ultimately our good, good Father. Lord, thank you that you are ultimately in control of our present and of our future. And Lord, I pray that we would hear from you today, that by your Holy Spirit you would speak, that you would set me aside, that our focus and eyes could be on Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Let's just look at this in just those two phrases. Delight yourself in the Lord. There's a lot in our world that contends for our delight. There's a lot contending for what, we should be delighting in. Uh, delight doesn't just happen to us. It's not something that comes upon us. Delight, the delight that's spoken of here is an imperative. Delight yourself in the Lord. In other words, take delight. Uh, it's, it's a command. Delight yourself in the Lord. We decide what is going to be most important in our life. C.S. Lewis said, God in the Psalms is the all-satisfying object of delight. And you see it throughout the Psalms. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You see it all through the Psalms. God is the, in the Psalms is the all-satisfying object of delight. And here's the thing about delight yourself in the Lord. When we delight in the product rather than in the source, which is sometimes what happens. When we delight in the product rather than the source, that is the essence of idolatry. And sometimes we, we start delighting in the product rather than in the source where that comes from. In other words, we delight in money. We delight in sports. I, I saw, or I actually didn't see it, I heard it. I heard a Toronto fan, the Raptors just won the NBA championship. And uh, I heard a Toronto fan, they were, they were you know, uh, interviewing different ones and their reaction to the win up in Toronto. And this guy... He may have been a little encouraged by a few beverages, but, but he, but he I, I heard him and he said, I've been waiting my whole life for this. For 35 years I've been waiting for this to happen. And this win is the greatest thing that has ever happened in my life. And I thought, okay, 
I'm really glad he's really excited, but I, I hope that's not the greatest thing that ever happens in his life. <laughs> Probably won't ever happen again in Toronto, but, but uh, <laughs> um, you know, we delight in our kids, right? We delight in our spouse. We delight in our freedom. We delight in nature. I was up in the hills yesterday. It was just gorgeous, and I get up there, and I just, I'm delighted, we delight in beauty, we delight in music, we delight in, you know, excellent talent and ability. We delight in these things. And don't get me wrong, all these things uh, can and should be delightful to us. They're, they're delightful things. But when they become our primary, when these things that are the product and not the source, when these things become our primary source of contentment, we will be left wanting. We will always be left wanting. If we put our delight in all of our, you know, all of, we put all our chips in on our kids, as great as they are and as perfect as your kids may be, they cannot possibly be the, the ultimately satisfying source. They're not designed to satisfy those desires. They don't have that capacity. And it's not fair to put the weight on them to satisfy and fulfill all of that desire. In fact, whatever we make necessary for our contentment, we make Lord of our happiness. Whatever we make necessary for our contentment, we make Lord of our happiness. So if it's necessary for us that we have uh, the perfect spouse, that will become the Lord of our happiness. And we will put a weight on them that they are not designed to bear. You have to be the source of my happiness. If we put that weight on finances, I got I to gotta earn more money, that's going to be the source of my contentment, it will become the Lord of your happiness, and you will never have enough. And you will always be left wanting. And those delights are not only idolatry, they leave us unsatisfied. That's why God cares about this, because God is not just an egomaniacal, insecure dictator who's just demanding our love. Delight yourself in the Lord. This is God's word. He, you know, is he just, is he insecure? Does he just need that? No, the, 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 the reason he says these things is because he knows that anything outside of the source will not have the intended result of our satisfaction. It just won't. And God is always wanting good for you. God is always, 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 always wanting good for you. Delight yourself in the Lord. That word Lord, when you read it in, in your Bible, in most translations, it'll all be capitalized as the word Yahweh. And I think it's important for us to remember when we say delight yourself in the Lord, remember that Lord is a person. Uh, it's not a concept. We don't simply delight in the characteristics of the Lord. We don't say delight yourself in love, for that will give you the desires of your heart. We don't say delight yourself in kindness, or delight yourself in goodness, or delight yourself in justice, for those will give you the desires of your heart. Because if we just make the characteristics our delight, then we get to define the characteristics. And then that will ultimately not satisfy us either. Because God is who defines those characteristics. God is love. God is just. God is holy. God is righteous, right? God is kindness. And so it's a personal relationship that we delight in. We delight in ourselves ourself in the personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. How do we know we love God? 
Jesus said, speaking to the Jewish people in the book of John, uh, some of the leaders, some of the religious leaders of the day, in John 5, 42 and 43, he says, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. How did he know that? How did Jesus say he knew that? And he goes on to say, I've come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. See, the, the delight, the, the way we know we love God is through a personal relationship. It's designed to be through a personal, the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, delight in the Lord, love of Him, cannot be separated from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So how do we delight in the Lord? Let's just talk about for a minute, how do we do this? How do we delight in the Lord? We are wired to admire. Sometimes we call it worship, right? We're wired to do that. We, we all admire things. We admire, we've talked about the things that we admire. We admire great talent, great beauty, great, a great barbecue grill. You know, we, uh, we admire somebody who can really barbecue a steak. We admire those things. We admire great sunsets. We admire uh, great sunrises. We admire this, these, all kinds of things because we're wired that way. But the only one that satisfies that wiring for admiration is the one who is most admirable, and that is God. So how do we delight in the Lord? Number one, I would say commit yourself to getting to know Him better. These are going to be really simple. Commit yourself to getting to know Him better. Get in His Word. Um, please don't make the sum total of your personal relationship with Jesus dependent on what happens on Sunday. Don't make it dependent on what happens and what comes from the pulpit. Don't make it dependent on what you hear on some podcast. Although all those things are helpful, um, study the Word of God. Get to know Him through His Word. This is the primary way He has made Himself known to us. And so as you read it, God's Holy Spirit brings it alive and you get to know Him. Get to know Him through His Word. Study His Word. Read His Word. Invest time in His Word. Spend time in prayer to Him. Get around people who know Him, who can encourage you in your walk with Christ because the more you know Him, the greater your delight will be. The more you get to know this God, the greater and more delighted you will be in Him. If your delight is small now, you get to know Him a little more, your, your delight is going to grow. I guarantee it. Two, make a habit of thanking God as the greatest every single day. Uh, we talk in sports often, it's talked about who's the GOAT. The GOAT meaning greatest of all time. Who's the GOAT? People argue, you know, is it Tom Brady? Is it Joe Montana? Uh, who, who is the greatest of all time? Is it... Is it Tiger Woods or Jack Nicklaus? Is it LeBron James? Is it Michael Jordan? Who's the GOAT? I can tell you the GOAT, the greatest of all time, is God. He is definitely the GOAT. And make a habit of thanking God as the greatest of all time every day. And be thoughtful and be creative and be specific in how you do it. Use His names. Learn His names. He's our King. He's our Lord. He's our Father. He's our Savior. He's our creator. He's our alpha, beginning. He's our omega. He's our end. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's our peace. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's our healer. He's Jehovah Jireh. 
He's our provider. Get to know who he is and, and use his names to remind yourself of how great this God is. Write down his characteristics and write them down. Be creative. God, thank you that you are just. Thank you that you are gracious. God, thank you that you are merciful. God, thank you that you are loving. God, thank you that you care. God, thank you that you're there for me. God, thank you that you, know you will never leave me and that you will never forsake me. God, thank you for who you are. Thank him every day as the greatest. Sing songs that speak of his greatness. Great are you, Lord. Right? The, the song we sing to him, I'm so grateful. Thank you, Jeff and Kim and team for leading that. My dad's favorite, all-time favorite song. Right? How great thou art, how great thou art. Sing songs of praise about his greatness. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. All will see how great, how great is our God. Think about his greatness. Sing about his greatness. Learn of him. Pray to him. Um, make a habit of thanking God as the greatest every single day. Listen, very little changes our perspective and our desires like gratitude does. Gratitude is one of the great things that will change our perspective and change our desires. That's why I always encourage parents, if you have kids and they have an opportunity to go on a short-term mission trip, let them go. Because they'll get a perspective. They will serve and they will touch people's lives, but they'll also get a perspective of all they have to be thankful for. And gratitude changes our perspective. And remember every day. So how do we delight in the Lord? So uh, get to know Him. Get to know Him. Uh, and, and remember every day that He is your Savior and friend. Not only is He great, He's great. And think about His greatness. Reflect on His greatness. But He's also personal. He's your Savior. He's your friend. He's kind. He's good. He's protective. He's loving. He's giving. He's your personal friend and Savior. John Piper, uh, preacher, tells a story he says he uses this in, he's used this in a number of contexts about the Grand Canyon, and I'm just going to quote him. He says, no one goes to the Grand Canyon to increase his self-esteem. How many of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon? Right? No one goes to the Grand Canyon to increase his self-esteem. We go to the Grand Canyon. Why? People, people go. They go to the Grand Canyon, and if they can't go there, they buy a big glossy book and they put it on their coffee table. Why? Because standing at the Grand Canyon and watching this vast, cavernous, open space that goes down a mile into the ground with a tiny little river down there at the bottom, which is actually a massive river, it does something to our souls because God made us to know Him as the great Grand Canyon. Now He'd, he'd use that story, but then a woman came up to Him at one particular time and said, yes, okay, but it is hard to enjoy the Grand Canyon if you feel you might fall over the edge and be killed by the great Grand Canyon. It's true. And he realized that if you can't see the majesty, power, and beauty without the sense that it won't kill or injure us, then we'll be locked in fear. And God is a great, powerful, wonderful God. But he's also a very loving, personal Savior. And he's kind and he's protective. He's not out to hurt or injure or kill. Delight yourself in the Lord. Second part of that verse, of course, is, and he will give you 
the desires of your heart. He will give you the desires of your heart. And He will. Not necessarily He has given, <laughs> right? He will. He will give you the desires of your heart. Sometimes the, the hardest part of the promise is the He will part. Some of us, some of you perhaps have been in a long season of the He will part. Waiting for when the will will happen, right? I'm doing the, I'm doing the thing, God. You said you will. When is that going to happen? Delight yourself in the Lord. And He will, He will give you the desires of your heart. So what exactly does this mean? Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Last time I spoke here, we talked about not counting on formulas. Not, you know, that, 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 that God's plan is not based on a particular formula. It's based on our relationship with Him. But, but um, what does this particular verse mean? What does this particular promise mean? Commit your, or delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Because it's often been used that if you have these desires. So, so let me just illustrate. You know, there's a saying, if you can't be, when you're preaching, if you can't be good, be short. And if you can't be short, use props. So, uh, so, so this, this, this box, this tacky little box, um, represents the desires of my heart. Okay? Desires of my heart. So in this little box are representing maybe the desires of some hearts. Uh, maybe a maybe the desire of your heart is a job promotion, right? Could be the desire of your heart. So we have these desires in us. Maybe a desire of your heart is more money. How many of you need more money? You're in church. You're all afraid to raise your hand. Um, so um, some for some, the desire of your heart is my team winning the championship. Mariners were waiting a long time. So. Uh, Financial independence, maybe, maybe it could be a, a desire of your heart. Maybe just freedom. You want the ability to do what you want to do, when you want to do it, call your own shots, make your own schedule. How many, for how many of you does that sound pretty good? Right? Okay, yeah, you like that. Um, influence, you want more influence or power. Uh, maybe one of the desires of your heart is my kids making all the right decisions according to me. <laughs> right? My, my kids making all of the right decisions according to me. That's the desire of our heart. Every parent, don't lie, that's the desire of your heart. Your dream house. Desire of your heart. Okay, these are all lots of possibilities. The perfect spouse. Some of you are shaping the person who's sitting next to you to be just this. Uh, that's, the <laughs> that's the desire of your heart. Um, and all of us have these desires, right? These are the desires of our heart. So we read this verse, and we, and we hear, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of our heart. So these are the desires of our heart. Okay, Lord, you see them. I'm delighting in you. Now I'm waiting. Give them to me. That's the promise, right? Delight yourself in the Lord. If we're faithful, if we follow Him, if we do the thing, uh, if we, you know, love Him, go to church usually, we, uh, we give, we delight ourselves in the Lord, and He'll give us those things that are the desires of our heart. Seems like that's the, that's the thing. But what if it's not delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires that already exist in your heart? What if the 
What if the answer is actually delight yourself in the Lord and he's going to actually give you the desires of your heart? Not give you the desires that were already there, but he's going to make his desires your desires. That, that the desires of your heart are actually not being initiated necessarily from you, but they're coming out of that relationship with him. I remember when I was in high school, I had a young life leader who was a mentor to me, and he, he, he said this to me. He said, Chris, as you grow in Christ, your life is going to go through a process of subtraction. And I always wonder, what in the world, what do you mean by process of subtraction? He said, the things that matter to you now are not going to matter to you as much anymore. And some of those things are going to just fade away. And, and new things are going to matter to you. So it's not just subtraction, but you're going to have some new things that matter because of your relationship with God. I've never forgotten that, and it's very true. So when it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and He's going to give you the desires of your heart, as we delight ourselves in Him, and as we love Him, and as we give of ourselves to Him, all of a sudden He starts shaping what actually our desires are. And maybe some of those desires are, are going to remain the same. Perhaps... Influence, he's going to keep that. Okay, you want influence in your life? I also want you to have influence of, in, in your life because I want you to use that influence in order to represent me well to those whom you have influence over. So I like that desire, God might say. Or he might say, you know what, here's, here's a desire I'm going to place in your All of a sudden you find yourself wanting to have more opportunities to serve people. You've been, you've been loving God, you've been loving God, and all of a sudden you're, you've been serving people, and you're not, now you're looking for more opportunities to serve people. Now God has given you a desire of your heart. Maybe the desire of your heart has, was money. Maybe it was the chasing after the finances, but maybe that that's shifting now, and maybe that desire of your heart now is contentment. I want to just find myself to be content, and what's happening there is God, as you delight in Him, is starting to give you desires of your heart. Maybe it's helping people to know they have value because this is on God's heart, right? This is the desire of God's heart and now He puts that desire in your heart and you delight yourself in Him and He starts giving you the desires of your heart. Maybe it's just true joy. Maybe it's just finding true joy instead of searching everywhere after chasing after everything for some fashion of happiness Maybe it's just true abiding joy regardless of the circumstances and God is now giving you the desire of your heart. And it's related to that peace regardless of the circumstances. Maybe your kids aren't doing everything perfectly according to what you want. <laughs> Maybe your spouse isn't perfect in, in accordance with the framework that you had created for yourself according to what you need. Uh, maybe your job isn't what exactly you thought you wanted it to be in the first place, but maybe what God starts putting into your heart is peace, regardless of the circumstances that are happening around you, knowing that ultimately God can be trusted, that He's in control. And you hear old David in this spot, and he's saying, you know what, I've been through a lot. I've made some bad decisions chasing after these desires rather than delighting in the Lord. But now I've recognized that if I delight myself in the Lord, He's just going to give me the desires of my heart. And all of those desires will be fulfilled. Because now I start seeing things through His lens instead of through my lens. The things that break His heart break my heart. The things that give Him joy give me joy. The things that He wants are the things that I want. Delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires of your heart. You know what else He'll give you sometimes? 
He'll start giving you things you didn't know you wanted. He'll start giving you desires you didn't know you wanted. I talked about that with kids. It's true with marriage too, you know. When I, uh, when I got married, uh, I thought I just wanted a pillow to lay my head on on the bed. What I didn't realize I really wanted was eight pillows on the bed, <laughs> none of which I could put my head on. I, I didn't know I wanted it, but once I got married, I realized that's what I wanted. Before I got married, I thought I wanted my trophies displayed proudly that I'd won. Once I got married, I realized where I really wanted those trophies is in a box in the garage. That's where I really... You realize once something is a delight in you, it shapes your desire. And God will do the same thing. There's things that, are, that He's going to call you to you didn't know you wanted to do. There's things He's going to... He's going to ask of you that you thought, man, I, I would have never thought that in a million years, but you've made the, him your delight. And it is not that delight causes us to get our desires. Delight is what shapes our desires. Delight yourself in the Lord. If you put your delight in the desires, if the desires start becoming your delight, you're going to find yourself not at peace. You're going to find yourself frustrated. You're going to find yourself um, unsatisfied. And uh, the Apostle Paul got this too. He said when he came to Christ and he had been following Christ for a while, he, he had quite a resume. But he says, listen, whatever things were of value to me, I now consider those things rubbish. Those things, those things don't, don't carry the same value anymore. Matthew 6, prior, you know, uh, uh, I mean, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, in verse 21, of course, is the famous statement Jesus gives us, where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And then Matthew 6, 33, of course, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. So church, where do you put most of your emphasis? Where do you put most of your, what are you giving your energy to? Are you giving your energy, are you focusing your energy on delighting in the Lord? Or are you focusing most of your energies on the desires of your heart? Have the desires become the delight? And I would just say, if the desires have become the delight, if, if the focus is on the desires, the, the, the product rather than the source, I'm going sh- to challenge you to shift that because what's going to happen is the more you keep doing that, the more you're realizing, you know what? This isn't working the way I thought it would work. I need to change my perspective. And when you change and you just and you make your focus, I got to get to know God. I got to get to know Jesus. I got to spend time with him. I got to delight in him. Then all these things will be added to you. If your energy has been focused on, oh, let's, let's just talk about us as a church family. In fact, let's stand together. Let's, let's just talk about us as a church family. Here we're in this spot now, and we're, we're, we're going to be looking for our new pastor. Who is that person going to be? And, uh, and, and we might get anxious. We might get worried. We might be fearful because what if it's not the person that's the desire of my heart? Here's the, here are the characteristics that it has to be. They have to meet these characteristics. I want them to be like Mike. 
or I want them to have these certain criteria. That's the desire of my heart. You know what? Here's what I would challenge you to do. Delight yourself in the Lord. Let Him shape. Let Him show you. Listen, you can trust me because the person I have for you is the, is the I'm going to make that person the desire of your heart. That's what he does. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, he'll give you the desire heart. Dads, listen. Kids are delightful. Kids, your, your, if your kids are here, they're delightful. They're a delight. But the very best thing you can do for your kids is to, to delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. It's the very best thing you can do for your kids. Delight yourself. Make that your focus. Love those kids. Recognizing that children are a gift of the Lord. Right? They're the product, not the source. Don't make them the product. Don't make them the, 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 the I mean, don't make them the source of your desire, of your delight. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. God, I just pray for this church family. I thank you for them. Love this family. And you want us to delight ourselves in you. And that out of that delight will flow the desires of our heart. And Lord, in each person here, you're shaping and shifting. Lord, what used to matter doesn't matter as much anymore because you're doing a work in their heart. Some of those things that used to matter matter more because you want to use those desires for your purposes. God, I just... I pray that as we focus on you, as we delight ourselves in the Lord, that we don't hold on to our preconceived desires, but we let you empty the box and to, to make your desire our desire, to make your heart our heart, to, make, to give us the ability to trust you as we delight in you. As we get to know how great you are, we recognize how good you are. Lord, we pray you do this in each one. Lord, give every dad here a fantastic Father's Day. Uh, Lord, I just pray you bless them. Thank you for that, that calling you have on their lives. And Lord, where there is brokenness in that, where there is hurt in that, where there is unfulfilled hope, Lord, would you just be a healer? Would you be the Father? But Lord, I just pray that we would recognize ultimately you are our Father and uh, we delight in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.